And uh, Advent in the Christian tradition is the start of the liturgical calendar that the church has followed for centuries. Now, you might think that as Christians, the calendar, if you were going to start a Christian calendar somewhere, you might start it at Easter, you might start it actually on uh, the birth of Christ in the 25th, but the Christian calendar starts with Advent, the first Sunday in particular of Advent. And it's a bit of a funny calendar that way because really the calendar begins with a period of waiting, begins with a sense of expectations yet to come and promises yet to be fulfilled. And so as we start into our Advent time uh, together here at Jericho, I want us to uh, take time and reflect not only on the things that are uh, full in our heart, but also the places of emptiness and longing in our heart. And Peter highlighted that well for us when we talk about some of the kids in Tanzania and their experience of Christmas and what that will mean and look like for them. I think it's important to give voice and hold space both to those that are rejoicing but also those who are lamenting. And so uh, each week as we go through this season of Advent, Meg is writing a Advent uh, liturgy for us or an Advent devotional and we'll post that uh, online. It's on the front page of our website and there's also hard copies for you if you want to pick up one of those at the Welcome Center uh, for this week. And so she's begun our movement through Advent with uh, a liturgy of lament. And one of our traditions here at Jericho in the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day is that we light uh, a candle in an Advent wreath. And we do this to symbolize the fact that light is coming into the darkness, or light has come into the darkness. And Advent, traditionally, the four candles are celebrated with the themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. And as Pastor Wally said, I, these themes are so deep and so rich and so resonant that uh, I feel a little bit like we cheat ourselves in an Advent Sunday. If we just do one Sunday on love and then just rush on to the next thing. So we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive into each of these themes uh, instead of hopscotching over each of them. So we're going to spend the entirety of our four Sundays leading up to Christmas uh, in the theme of hope. And uh, one of the challenges that comes up when we think about and talk about the theme of hope, and Meg's articulated it very clearly in her written liturgy, is that hope, by its very existence, means that something is not right in the world or in our lives. We're missing something, or something is not present. If I need hope, it means there's something that I have to be hoping for, which means I don't already possess it. That's what Romans 8 verse 24 says. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. So as we move into Advent and we talk and think about hope, I want to give us a few moments just to pause together and ask that question, what is it that you're hoping for this season? What are you waiting for? What are you anticipating? 
Where do you need God to do a deep and miraculous work in you or in a place in our world? In the language of the prophets, what crooked places need to be made straight or what rough edges need to be made smooth? Where do you need hope to break in for you this season? And so we're going to pause before uh, we look into the scriptures. And I want you to give that some thought. For some of you, that'll come immediately to your mind. You'll right away think, yeah, I got a pretty long list of things that I know need the hope uh, of Christ to speak into. Others of you may have to think about it a little bit longer. And uh, so I'm going to give us probably just about a minute of just silence and quiet reflection uh, before we continue, where do you need hope to break in for you in this season? Let's just pause and take a moment of silence. <coughs> silence can be hard work. Sometimes uh, one of the challenges we have in a season like this is uh, it seems like Christmas is, gets taken over by the extroverted optimists among us. People like me, <laughs> we're very unusually cheery and upbeat and plucky. And they're putting up trees and lights everywhere and hyped about things. And you may not be in that space as you come into this season. And that can create this sense of, of tension in your life or in your inner world. And that's what we're going to talk about when we talk about this series, Hope for the Holidays. We're going to talk about what hope is and also what hope is not. Now, as a lifelong avowed optimist, you might think that I would be here to tell you that hope is generally personality-driven, that sense that something good is going to happen around the corner. Don't all optimists believe that? Can I hear an amen from the optimists? Right, some of you are optimists. How many of you as optimists are married to non-optimists? Some of you, some of you are afraid to raise your hands. <laughs> some of you, they call themselves realists. Mike's not, <laughs> but yeah, right? There's optimists and then there's other people in the world, right? <laughs> but part of the challenge that we wrestle with when we talk about hope is that optimists sometimes just are always think about hope as just something good is going to happen right around the corner. But if hope is only driven by circumstances and personality, it's kind of fickle, and it's not really widely available for most people in our world, is it? So it's got to be something deeper than that, something that lasts. Um, so I've titled the message today, When Hope is Hard, and one of the things that I want us to pay attention to is that hope is actually not just a feeling or an emotion or experience. It's actually hard work to hope. It's spiritual work. Uh, in the Bible, in Romans chapter 8, verse 25, we read that second part of that text. 8.24 says, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. 8.25 says, but if we look forward to something that we do not yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Interesting choice of words, patiently and confidently. And as we live into those places of hope and expectancy, we're told we need patience and we're told we need confidence. 
And this is why I think hope is hard work. Because if something is simple or easy, no one tells you that you need patience for it, and no one tells you that you need to be confident about it. So how do we wait patiently and confidently? How would we have those two uh, expressions characterize the way in which we wait? Well, we're going to look at those characteristics today, and we're going to invite God to further develop and shape those in us individually and in us as a community. So let's talk first about patience. Patient waiting is one of the most difficult things that I think especially optimists, when something doesn't happen right away, when something feels like it's a long way off or that it may never happen, it's really hard to hope and wait for it. Some of you lived that experience. I can remember uh, one Christmas that we had together all with my mom's extended family. So we were a big group and we all went out to uh, a big ranch out in the mountains. It was a magical time. And uh, because we were such a large group, it had to be fairly well organized in order for Christmas to run effectively. And so one of the things that was specifically and firmly laid out was the time that we were to come downstairs for breakfast on Christmas Day morning. And so uh, we were going to open our presents at a certain time. And so I went to bed on the night of the 24th just buzzing with excitement. Like just thinking, oh, this is going to be so great. We're just going to all pile downstairs together. We're going to open up our presents. It's going to be fantastic. But see, my parents made a fatal and disastrous mistake that evening. And that was they never gave us a clock. And so, I had absolutely no idea what time it was or how long it was until morning. And so naturally, I did what every eight-year-old does. I climbed down the ladder from the loft bed, went and pulled up my parents in their bed and said, what time is it? Is it time to go downstairs yet? I said, Brad, it's like 10.15. <laughs> you hardly went to bed a few minutes ago. Back up the loft bed. Try to go to sleep, try to go to sleep, try to go to sleep, doesn't work. Down the loft bed again. What time is it? Is it time to open a presents yet? Is it time to open presents? I don't think, I think I probably did that about every 20 minutes for the entirety of the whole night long. And so I felt like for me, the morning was just never, ever, ever gonna come. That night was like the longest night in living memory for me. And the waiting was just killing me. Because we were almost there, like we were so close, but I wasn't sure how much longer I had to wait. And so because it was an undefined period of time between me and present opening, it became very, very difficult. And so I felt because it was far away, it made it harder. I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at waiting. I'm not a very patient person, especially when I'm driving. I don't want to wait for two lights to go through the intersection of 72nd and 200. I want to try and make it my way through traffic so that I can get through on the light that is now. I want to go to Costco and not have to wait an hour to find a parking spot. Good luck with that. 
I want to pay for rush shipping so my items can come immediately. I'm not very good at waiting. And when I have to wait for something, the longer that I have to wait for it, the more frustrated I tend to become. The writer of the book of Proverbs wrote these words centuries ago, and they still ring through true today. Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life. When hope is deferred, when it's put off, when it feels like it's a long way away, it makes your heart sick. You get weary. You feel it in your heart, in your gut, in your spirit. And it can become, if it's something that you feel and hope deeply for, it can become a kind of soul sickness and frustration that can just foment and fatigue even the person with the strongest track record of patience. But if you look through the pages of the Bible, we encounter person after person after person who had to wait. They were promised something, but it didn't come quickly or easily. They didn't possess it yet, and so they had to live in a state of holy hope, waiting patiently and confidently for God's arrival in their lives. I think about people like Noah, God says, I need you to build a boat for me. Through you and through your family, I want to rescue people, build a boat, save them from the coming flood. But the flood doesn't come tomorrow. It doesn't come next year. It doesn't come in the next decade. God gives Noah 120-year countdown that he waits I have a hard time waiting for 120 minutes, let alone 120 years. I cannot even conceptualize it. And yet Noah waited and worked patiently. I think about people like Rachel and Leah. Jacob falls in love with these women and he gets tricked by his uncle Laban into a bad work arrangement where he pays the ancient dowry for his bride and he gets the wrong bride. And so he has to work for another seven years. And then after the wedding, Rachel, his true love, is barren and unable to have children while Leah has child after child after child. Rachel doesn't do well with waiting. Some of you have struggled or are struggling with infertility, and sometimes it seems like all around you, people are having kids. And in those situations, hope becomes very hard. Trip after trip to the doctor, waiting, seeing what the test says this month, and hope gets further and further away. I think about people like David. We learn in the book of Kings that David is anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king over God's people. And yet he doesn't become king 
in that moment of anointing because Saul is still the king. And so for 15 long years, David is hunted down and chased all around the wilderness like an animal because Saul wants to kill him. Saul spends inordinate military and personal resources trying to kill David. David's been told, oh yeah, you're going to be the king. But for 15 years, he doesn't assume the throne. And I don't doubt that David laid his head down on many a stone pillow, many of those nights thinking, this sucks. I'm been chased out of my father's home and family for this. Will God's promise ever come? I feel more like an outlaw and a fugitive than a king right now. Patiently waiting in hope is hard. And then when you think about the promises made to God's people, and I think about Advent, promise after promise, God says, I'm going to send a deliverer. I'm going to come and rescue my people. A savior will be born. God will send Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And the prophets say, it's coming. This is going to happen. Light will break into darkness. And then nothing. Between the last promise that God makes in the closing pages of the Old Testament and the start of the New Testament there's over 430 years with not a single recorded prophetic word from God. No reiteration of the promise. No update. Hey, just a little longer. Silence for 430 years and God's people grow tired of waiting. What do we learn about waiting from these and many other stories of Scripture? Well, Romans 15 verse 4 says, These things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us. And the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. The scriptures are written, one reason is to give us hope and encouragement while we are waiting. See, the reason we need hope and encouragement is because it's hard to wait patiently and God doesn't often do things on the timeline that you or I might expect. I'm a person who loves to move quickly into action. My thought to action ratio is like a millisecond. I have an idea and then I think we should do that idea right now. Not always a good thing. Sometimes I have very aggressive timelines for most things to happen and this can be helpful, but it also makes my relationship with God difficult because God doesn't quite work on the timeline that I expect God to work on on some of these things. I would have wanted to have Jericho Ridge have a building a long time ago. But God's timing and God's ways are different than mine. I and many others want the challenges and discrimination against people with albinism in Tanzania and around the world solved like yesterday. Why is this still a thing in 2018? 
It's one of the first challenges for me personally that I've come across and engaged personally with it. I thought, this is not going to be solved in my lifetime. That's a hard reality for me because it creates this level of tension inside of me that I think, well, but, 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 but God, <laughs> we need to get working on this. In, in my timeline, it would be so much quicker. Maybe you have the same sense of experience, a dissonance between your sense of timing and God's sense of timing. And Psalm 27 verse 14 says it this way, wait, and I don't like this word, patiently. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and be courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Well, see, the thing about waiting patiently is that it's hard work. We wouldn't need to be brave. We wouldn't need to be courageous if hope wasn't hard work. And if we pay attention, the stories of the scriptures are not all neat, tidy, easily resolved kinds of narratives. I love some of the raw, honest reflections that come up. Look at Psalm 119, verse 81. You can turn there in your Bibles or on your devices. Psalm 119, verse 81. The psalmist writing says, I am worn out waiting for your rescue, God. I've put my hope in your word. My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. When will you comfort me? I'm shriveled up like a wineskin in the smoke, like a dried out old-fashioned wineskin because I've been waiting around forever, but I've not forgotten to obey your decrees. But how long do I have to wait? As you and I wait and we long for things to be different, one of the things that you might need to hear today and in this season is that God is okay with your raw emotions while you wait. God can handle it. He can handle your deep cries of anguish. He can handle your hard questions, your lament. And here at Jericho, we're working to try and build a community that can create space for that too. That's not just happy, clappy, you have to have it all together. This is a place where you are welcome with your raw, unvarnished questions and yourself. The psalmist continues, says, your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to every generation. As enduring as the earth you created, your regulations remain true to this day, for everything serves your plans. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, <laughs> I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commands, for by them you give me life. I am yours. Rescue me. And you hear in the text that the writer's turning the corner from waiting patiently to hoping 
confidently. The writer of Psalm 119 is wrestling with this notion of hope. It's deferred, it's delayed, and yet in the midst of the waiting and all of the unknowns, there are things that we can still remain confident in, even if it's not a timeline. One of the things that we can be confident in, or that confidence is based in, is a sense of trust. Because at its core, hope is really all about trust. Do you trust in God's goodness, in his faithfulness, in God's love? Do you trust that God is somehow mysteriously at work? Hope is, at its core, a question of trust. Psalm 37, verse 7 says this, Be still, be quiet, be restful in your heart, in your spirit, in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for him to act. One of the things that's difficult when we are in a season of waiting, is that we can believe that God's faithfulness maybe extends to past generations, maybe to other people, maybe to other places, but not to me and not to what I'm going through. But friend, do you trust that God's faithful, never stopping, never giving up kind of love extends to you, extends to your circumstances and situation extends to us as a community in this season too. That's what hope is all about. It's where and whom, in whom we place our confidence and our trust. Some of you have heard uh, Meg and I share in different settings about our journey and uh, the difficulty uh, that we had having kids, and some of you have walked through or are in the midst of walking that road. And one thing that I found um, deeply challenging in that season was continuing to believe in God's goodness and faithfulness during that extended season of waiting. And I can remember uh, one Christmas in that period where we had sold our house, we were out of our condo in Langley City, and we were yet to move into our next place. And so we Uh, spent Christmas in a friend's basement. And we had no extra storage uh, or anything. And so our Christmas tree that year was a treadmill with some lights strung across it. It wasn't super festive. It was a little pathetic, really. And I can remember that Christmas and that year, that December in particular, some nights crawling into our mattress on the cement floor in that makeshift room and being very angry with God that we didn't have a kid yet. And the more I thought about it, the angrier I became. And the more I thought, you know, God, we've just done everything right. We've been faithful and obedient. You know, we've done all of this, and we've been praying, we've been asking other people to pray, and we've done this, and we've done that. Like, you, you, I kind of feel like you owe us something. And I was upset. I didn't have a home for my wife that Christmas. We've been trying for years. We still had no baby to celebrate that Christmas. Then one day we're reading in our 
uh, usual Bible reading, and it was Psalm 113, verse 9. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience where if you're looking and reading through the scripture and a verse just leaps off of the page for you and you think, I've never seen that before, and it just grips you in such a way and becomes so real for you that you know that you know that that is God's word for you in that moment. Psalm 113, verse 9 says this, He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. And in that moment, I felt like God was saying to me, Brad, you need to amp down a little bit and trust me. First, I will settle you in your new home. That's just a matter of time. And I will grant you the desires of your heart. But you need to trust me and wait for me to act. And that scripture, Psalm 113.9, became like a lifeline for us in that season. We would go back to it again and again and again. And when the period became longer and more extended and hope was deferred even further, we just said, God, we know that you gave us that promise in that season. And we read it, we wrote it, we put it up everywhere. It was on our phones, it was on the mirrors, and it was just there to remind us of the fact that God was still faithful. And it's one reason why I'm such a big proponent of scripture intake. It's not about legalism. It's not about getting extra credit with Jesus for knowing extra stuff. One of the powerful things that scripture intake does is that it actually restores us and gives us sustaining strength when we don't have it ourselves. When you need to wait confidently Find sustaining strength in the scriptures. It's one of the reasons why uh, we have groups that get together and study the Bible as a way of providing not only that anchor, but also a relational anchor. There's a group of women that gets together every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. and goes to Starbucks at 72nd and 200 and opens God's word together and says, where do we need sustaining grace from God for today? Where am I going to find sustaining strength in the scripture? Don't be too proud to borrow strength from saints that have gone before us or the stories of people who have walked the road of faith ahead of us or walking it around you. It's also one of the reasons I'm a big fan of biographies because I want to, I want to try and learn and get, my, uh, get inside of the head of those saints from history and figure out What sustained them in their times of waiting? Right now I'm reading a biography of William Carey, one of the first missionaries uh, from England that went out. And he went to India. And man, he had a hard go of it. You know, his printing press burned down. His house got flooded. All of these hardships happened to him. And yet you read his journal about the faith that God gave him to sustain him amidst incredible challenges. I'm currently reading a book also by a pastor named Luke Norsworthy. And it's a a book about how he lost his faith in the midst of pastoral ministry. He grew up going to church, went to seminary. And when he got to seminary, he began to realize he had some cracks in the foundation. And is he had questions. And he wasn't sure how to process them. And so he, in seminary, became a person who wasn't sure if God existed or not. 
And he had a lot of work of deconstruction and reconstruction to do. And one of the things that he said that struck me as true was he was only able to walk out this journey because he knew that the ability to be at peace with the unknown is based on trust. Faith is not about having all of the answers. It is about where we place our trust. Hope is not about having all of the answers. It is about knowing where to place our trust. And friend, you might be here today, and that might be a new thought for you. You might be trying to get to know God more, find out what does it mean to have not only hope for this life, but hope for a life to come. And you may have been let down by churches. You may have been let down by other relationships or the circumstances of your life. But you need to know that as a community together, our conviction is that God is faithful. And he's gracious and he's near to you today while you wait. And today might be that day for you where you say, I think I want to believe that too. You might come to the place today where you say, I choose to put my hope in Christ. And it would be our privilege and our joy to walk that journey with you and explore with you today what it would look like to help you come to a place of hope. To choose to place your hope in a God who's worthy of your trust. And if that's you, our prayer team members will be available for you and they'd walk you through that process. You can come talk to me. You can come talk to the person that you came with. We would love to lead you through that exploration of finding a deeper sense of hope. And maybe for you today, you say, yeah, Brad, I have an existing relationship with God, but I'm in a season of waiting that's making hope hard. And you might want to just ask a few questions of yourself and reflect together. And the first one might be, what are your expectations in this season of waiting? What are your expectations of God? What are your expectations of others? It's very natural as human beings to get our hopes up. Expectations rise. Promises feel closer to fulfillment. But if they aren't here yet, hope deferred can make the heart sick. And while we wait, it can be very easy to face a temptation where we start blaming God for not acting. But can you remain in a space where even if hope is deferred, you trust the character of God when all around you things seem chaotic and unmanageable? This is hard work, friends. And you might need to ask for help in that journey. You might need to ask God for a sustaining word while you wait. And you may be in need of that sustaining word today. You might feel like your hope and your grip on hope is slipping, that God seems distant in silence. And you may say, Brad, I don't even know if I have the faith to believe. One of the things and the reasons that we live together in community is you might say, you know what, I don't even think I'm strong enough to make it and hope on my own. I need the help of others. I actually need to borrow the faith of someone else for a season that I can be confident in God's work of grace. And you may want to press in and ask God for a word in the scripture or ask someone to pray for you and ask them that they might have a prophetic word or a picture that they can provide strength to you while you wait. It would be our privilege to do that for you today. Or you might find yourself 
in a season where you say, Brad, I don't know that I'm particularly in a season of waiting right now. If that's not you, just wait. You will be. One of the gifts that Advent gives us is that Advent helps build this sense of anticipation and deferred hope because we live in a space, a space and a place where we haven't yet arrived. And so waiting and learning to wait is actually something that we can practice. It's one of the gifts that Advent gives to us as a season. Maybe you defer something that you were gonna buy. Maybe you put aside some money and you wait and say, okay, God, I'm just gonna wait until you prompt me to meet a need and then I'm gonna act. Maybe in the morning, a good practice for you would be wait to check your phone until after you've spent some time in silence and solitude or in prayer or with God in God's word. See, learning to wait when technically you don't have to wait, when you're not in a season of waiting, can be an incredible, valuable thing because then when you do come into a season of waiting, it's a little bit like a muscle that you've exercised just a little bit so that it strengthens that muscle. Hebrews 10, 23 uses the image of a strong grip that's been enhanced over time through training and says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Ron and the team are gonna come and the prayer team's also gonna make their way to the back. And I'm gonna invite you, if you're able, to stand with me and we're gonna sing just one song of response today. And some of the songs of Christmas are songs of longing. Songs that fuse together this sense of anticipation and the reminder of the faithful love of God in the midst of the waiting and the longing. And so friends, we're entering together today into this season of waiting. And be reminded in this season that we have a resource, a hope to cling to, a God who will be faithful to God's promises, never to leave or forsake us, a God who will be faithful to God's character, even when it might seem that God is distant and far away, because hope, while it is hard work, is rooted in the faithful character of the one who always keeps his promises. Would you stand with me?